Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 34 called Defending God's Justice. Well, I'm sure if you like uh, any of us, we've all had the time in our life when we ask the question, or we may have made a statement, that's not fair. In fact, we did a uh, study earlier in the book of Job with exactly that title, and my wife came up with graphics of different pictures of people in angry, kind of rebellious positions with their faces like this, scrunched a little bit, and the lips scrunched a little bit. That's not fair. And I'm sure you've probably said that before, maybe to your parents, maybe up into the heavens. And especially in, things, uh, in light of things that have been going on in our culture, uh, people inside and outside the church may make those statements. Uh, wondering about God's justice, they might say it this way, that's not right or that's not fair. And whenever that happens, of course, we're appealing to a standard, right? We, there's something within us that believes that there should be a standard of fairness and justice. And there is a moral argument for the existence of God that leaps from that platform. If you've ever studied the arguments for the existence of God, one of them is a sense of morality, a sense of right and wrong, a sense that something is actually fair and something is actually unfair. But where would one find that kind of standard? What do we measure fairness and rightness up against? Is it against my neighbor's opinions? Is it against, you know, uh, some various worldviews? How do I navigate what's good and right and true? What is my standard? Is there an objective standard by which I could measure something and say, that's just wrong, or I don't understand that, or that's not fair? And tonight we're going to delve into questions like that as Elihu uh, speaks to Job's specific situation. Elihu's response is that God is the standard of what is true and just and right and that God's holiness must be defended. Perhaps, says one writer, he is also fearful for Job that Job is inviting God's final judgment because Job continues to push and question God. Now, Elihu's words will lay some groundwork for Job's response to God in chapters 38 and following. And Job is going to hear some words of truth tonight. And then there's, there's also going to be some words that maybe are up for a little bit of debate in terms of how much Elihu really understands what's going on. The chapter opens in 34.1 of Job. Elihu continued and said, Hear my words, you wise men. He may be addressing more than just Job and the comforters. He may be addressing a wider group of elders. Some believe that Elihu is at the city gate. And in the ancient world, the city gate was a place that you would even you know, discuss decisions. And you could call it, it could be an open court. But it also could be the court of public opinion. And so if an idea was being debated or if people were looking at Job's life and trying to consider why it was the way it was, the the public square or the city gate was a place where the wise elders of the town discussed 
such things. And some writers that believe, believe that what Elihu is doing is, is he inviting a wider audience to be a sort of jury. Uh, those of you who follow the law or maybe you enjoy a good law show on television know how this works. And people, you know, there are certain uh, approaches to picking a jury and convincing a jury and making arguments to a jury. And ultimately, that's what Elihu is doing. He's putting this before a group who he calls you wise men. It could be the elders of this particular area. He says, hear my words, you wise men, and listen to me, you who know. Now, I wonder at the outset of this message, how many of you would consider yourselves wise? And what does it mean to be wise? And how many wise people do you know? Now, the Bible talks about the pursuit of wisdom is one of the most important things that you can do in your life. In all you're getting, you are to acquire wisdom. And wisdom is really to know God, who he is, and to know his ways. But it's more than just knowledge. Wisdom is what? Wisdom is living out what you know. You could have a bunch of facts about a bunch of things, but if you don't put feet to those facts, you're not wise. You might be knowledgeable, but you're not wise. And so you could have a whole host of learning that you've, uh, you know, gleaned over the years, but putting feet to that is what makes you wise. Now, I think if I were to ask each of you tonight, are you wise, you'd probably qualify that by saying, I'm trying to grow in wisdom. That's a good place to be, to try to pursue wisdom and learn what it means to please the Lord. Proverbs 8, 32 through 36 says, Now therefore, O sons, listen to me. For blessed are they who keep my ways. Wisdom is being personified or given personality here. Heed instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, says wisdom, watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorposts. For he who finds me finds life, says wisdom, and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me injures himself. All those who hate me love death. That's Proverbs 8, 32 through 36. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. No doubt what you listen to, what you expose yourself to, who you walk with, where you try to dip into reservoirs of so-called wisdom is who you're going to be. The old saying is garbage in, garbage out. But if you take good things in, good things are bound to come out. And so as you sit under the teaching of the word of God, week in and week out, you open your Bible in devotional times, you listen to the word of God, you read the word of God, you meditate upon God's word. Psalm 1 says this is what you'll be like. You'll be like a tree planted by streams of water bearing fruit in its season. And whatever you do, you will prosper. Isn't that what we all want? And that's the way of the wise. The wicked are not so, says the writer of Psalm 1. They're like chaff. They blow around like the wind. And so, in this particular uh, context, we have Elihu trying to speak wisdom, and he says, listen, open your ears to wisdom. Listen up. A big part of gleaning wisdom is being open to wisdom. That seems to be without saying, but some people are just closed 
to hearing anybody else speak into their life. Or you have some people who are closed to the Bible. You can't open the Bible in their presence. They want to close it. Have you ever tried to talk to somebody before and it's almost like they're afraid of the physical book of the Bible? Don't get that near me, it'll burn! (laughs) And you're like, wow. Some people are like that. They just don't want to hear it. They don't want to go there. They'll do anything. They'll turn up the radio just loud enough not to hear that still small voice and definitely not to hear the voice of a preacher. Some of you were there before and now all you do is listen to preaching and you say, what's happened to me? I've become that person carrying that family Bible in my neighborhood. What happened? I never thought I'd be that person. And now some of you can't get enough of it. Because what you've found is a reservoir of wisdom from God. There's enough talking heads trying to tell us what life is all about. How about we listen to God? Well, Elihu says it's time. It's time for you to listen. For the ear, verse 3, tests words and as the palate tastes Food. Now, some of you are pretty good at food tasting, right? And, you know, when we're younger, we might, you know, endeavor to try something new, and you might take a little bit on the tip of your tongue. And some of your relatives said, it tastes like chicken. And it was probably like a mushroom or something like that. And you're like, no, it doesn't. You're spitting it out, right? And, and here the image is, You know, sometimes when we're tasting something new, we give it a little, I love the sample cups at the yogurt place. I, when I walk in, I immediately ask what my limit is for the evening. Can I get 17 of the, (laughs) and then you don't, you don't order any yogurt. You just, you know, you're good. Anyway, (laughs) I don't do that. But the ear tests words as the palate tastes food illustration. Let us choose, NIV, let us discern For ourselves, what is right, this is the major theme, what is right, what is just of this chapter. Let us know or learn, NIV, among ourselves what is good. How can you learn what is good unless you test it? Unless you have an objective standard by which you measure it. How do you know what's good? How do your friends know what's good and right? When Greg Kokel was here on that Sunday night, he was telling us how to use questions in conversations with unbelievers. And one of the questions that Greg gave us on that evening was to ask a person if they've landed on a certain worldview or perspective on spiritual life, to ask them, how did you come to that conclusion? And Greg says that he's used that in many contexts. And when he says, how did you come to that conclusion? Oftentimes, what did he say? It's the the sounds of silence. Because people oftentimes have come to conclusions because that's all they know or that's all they've heard. And so we have to be those who will taste and see. We uh, can picture here somebody sampling food to see what it tastes like, to see if it's good and right and true. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, Examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Michael Lance says that at the end of each week, get to church. Fellowship is important. If you live in Southern California, make sure you visit the church Pastor Michael has the honor of serving as senior pastor. Living Truth Christian Fellowship is in the city of Corona on 1009 Arsenal Way. You can learn more about the church on walkintruth.com. If you listen to Walk in Truth and you're nowhere near Southern California, Pastor Michael would ask that you make an effort to get into fellowship. Being alone is needed sometimes, but it's not the way the Lord would have you live. Pastor Michael and the whole Walk in Truth team pray you get to church this week. And learn more about Pastor Michael Lance, the mission of Walk in Truth, and our church at walkintruth.com. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. How do your friends know what's good and right? When Greg Kokel was here on that Sunday night, he was telling us how to use questions in conversations with unbelievers. And one of the questions that Greg gave us on that evening was, to ask a person if they've landed on a certain worldview or perspective on spiritual life, to ask them, how did you come to that conclusion? And Greg says that he's used that in many contexts. And when he says, how did you come to that conclusion? Oftentimes, what did he say? It's the the sounds of silence. Because people oftentimes have come to conclusions because that's all they know or that's all they've heard. And so we have to be those who will taste and see. We uh, can picture here somebody sampling food to see what it tastes like, to see if it's good and right and true. First Thessalonians 5.21 says, examine everything carefully, hold fast to that which is good. Examine everything carefully. Look, if you're going to put something inside yourself, some of you have uh, made a commitment to healthier eating this new year, right? And I've heard coaches say about professional athletes, uh, such and so athlete is very careful about what they put into their body. Why? Because they want to be at the peak of their game, right? They're very careful that they eat right and exercise. How much more in your mind How much more the things that you put into your soul? It matters. In fact, the the Bible compares itself to spiritual food, right? Uh, Nourishing uh, the soul. And of course, the reverse is true. There are certainly some things that are just neutral in life. They're not going to hurt you or help you. But there are other things that are downright hurtful. And so the Christian is always trying to taste and see and trying to understand how to please the Lord. God's word can be sweet, Psalm 119, 103, but there's an also an implication that it can be bitter, Revelation 10, 9, and 10. As we grow, our job is not just to see what we like, but try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. So I might put it this way, let's try to learn what God likes. Amen? Because that's what's just and right and true. Sometimes my taste buds could be a little bit off. 
but I want to compare it to what God says. And Elihu says, Job has said, I am righteous. Now he's quoting Job, but God has taken away my right. Should I lie concerning my right? NIV, am I considered a liar? Middle of verse six. My wound is incurable, though I am without transgression. Now in verses five and six, as Elihu did in the previous chapter or two, he is summarizing what Job has been saying because he believes it's his job to debunk Job's view of God. And so he captures what Job has said and captures it accurately. Job feels his wound is incurable, that there's no hope for him. And although he will finally repent of this, at this point, Job believes the primal lie of Satan, I'm quoting another author, that God is not good, but is cruel, a cruel, evil evil tormentor. The Satan has masqueraded as God and persuaded Job of this. Now, in the early responses of Job to his suffering, he corrected his wife. Should we accept good things, only good things from God and not, you know, adverse things? But now Job has gotten to the point where his suffering has overwhelmed him so much so that he believes that God treats him as an enemy. He's painted a picture that God is like uh, an army that's sending troops and barraging him as though he were a city being invaded. He has said in other chapters, like chapter 10, that God never takes his eye off me. It's like he's examining me just to watch me fall or trip up. Job, in his pain and suffering, not for past sins, remember? That was not the issue with Job, but in the midst of his pain, and this is something that Elihu has brought out that's different from the other so-called comforters. He doesn't accuse Job of suffering for past secret sins. Rather, he says Job has sinned in his suffering. Job has erred in the midst of his pain by accusing God falsely because God is not the one doing this to him. Who's doing it? Satan. And remember when Eve was next to the forbidden uh, fruit, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, she was there and, this, and Satan came in and said, did God really say, oh, this is what God knows will happen if you eat that? See, the question mark was put over God's goodness. Oh, God's trying to keep back from you. No, you eat that, your eyes will be open and you'll be as God's. You'll be exalted. Isn't that the promise before you take the bite of many things in life? Go ahead. You won't believe the high you'll get from this one. And you bite. And at first it's true. Wow. Woo. Seeing things I've never seen before. And then all of a sudden the poison goes down. And for those of you who have been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. See, somehow in the midst of the suffering, Job has become convinced that God is doing it. And I will say, God has certainly allowed it. And that's where some of the question marks come in for us. You know, that, this, these are the question marks on the hearts and minds of many in our culture. How could a good God allow that? And that is a question that we do have to wrestle with. And so Elihu says, what man is like Job who drinks up derision, NIV, scorn like water, 
Tell me, New Living Translation, verse 7, has there ever, ever been a man like Job with his thirst for irreverent talk who goes in company with the workers of iniquity and walks with wicked men? Elihu believes that Job has gulped down scorn like a thirsty desert traveler and that mockery just flows out of him like a raging river. He, he seems like a man who's listened to enough of the mockers of God that that's all he can regurgitate. That's all that can flow out of him is angst and mockery towards God. And, and listen, if you want to get on internet websites and find out how much angst and mockery against God is out there, oh, you can spend the next couple of years on internet websites who espouse hate towards a God that they don't believe exists. And they want to point out to you all the alleged contradictions in the Bible. And they breathe their venom. And I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not underselling that when I say to you, it's venom. I'm not understating that. It seems like Job's been hanging around wicked men who just uh, have mocking words towards God. And I will tell you that the company you keep does matter. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Bad company corrupts good morals. And we have watched uh, people in many different settings, whether it's a, a young person going off into a college context where God is mocked and you're ridiculed if you're a Christian, to maybe a person who gets a group of friends and, and that, those group of friends begin to chirp in their ear, questioning God, questioning this, questioning that. And inevitably, if you don't have enough of a solid foundation, you end up just simply reiterating those ideas. And so we have to be careful. You've been listening to Defending God's Justice, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 34. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our Free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on the Apple Music app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Player FM, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word before we go. Well, maybe you've heard this before from a friend or a coworker. Isn't God a God of love? And maybe they even know the Bible says that God is love. Indeed, he is. But you know what? God is also holy. And you know what? I think everybody walking around has a sense of justice and believes in justice, even if they, there are varying definitions of it. But ultimately, brethren, as we talk about God's justice, we're just talking about that God will do what's right. He will do what is just and true. And here's the beauty of the gospel. God's love and justice intersect at the person of Jesus Christ, at the cross. You see, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But God is so holy, he must judge sin. And so instead of pouring his wrath on us as believers, he poured it on his son. Jesus took the wrath of God. You could read, read Romans 5, especially uh, verses 9 and 10. Jesus took God's wrath, satisfied that wrath at the cross. And that is why I can stand 
justified in the presence of a holy God. And so I think we can defend God's justice because God is just and right and holy and true, and yet at the same time celebrate God's love. God's love and justice are seen in the gospel and intersect at the person of Jesus Christ. This is why we have the problem of evil, but we have the power of the gospel. That's what the book of Job is all about. And I would like to invite you to a Wednesday night service at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where I serve as senior pastor. Right now, we're going through medicine of the soul, medicine for the soul on Wednesday nights. And it is in the book of Psalms. And I'll tell you, it's such an amazing time that we've had in the book of Psalms. We happen to be right now going through Psalm 119, so rich, so powerful about the word of God, how it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Now that happens each Wednesday night, 7 p.m. You can visit Living Truth Christian Fellowship here in Southern California. We're right at the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue, 1009 Arsenal Way in Corona. And if you can't make it for any reason, you can also watch online. But more than that, you can worship and study God's word with us when you go to walkintruth.com and click on YouTube. We'll see you on one of these Wednesday nights, and we'll catch you right here tomorrow. God bless you. And just a reminder, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events as well. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow on this station for part two of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Job chapter 34 called Defending God's Justice. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.